Hello and welcome to a special festive, frolicsome but nonetheless fact-filled podcast from the Open Data Institute. I'm Gavin Freegard, Special Advisor at the ODI. Yes, it's Christmas! Santa Claus is comparing his canonical register of children's names against lists of niceness and naughtiness in a way fully compliant with GDPR. The turkey's in the oven, the Christmas pudding is bathing in brandy, the family possibly are too. But before you stuff yourselves silly this festive season, we're here to roast your intellectual chestnuts on our open data fire and give you the greatest gifts of all this Christmas, the gift of knowledge and the gift of data, as we present the 12 data days of Christmas. Now, my ODI colleagues insist on calling me the world's premier data singer-songwriter, an incredibly contested category, as I'm sure you can imagine. So this podcast is going to be tied together with a song. But really, it's just an excuse to talk to lots of the brilliant team at the ODI about the brilliant work that they do. And first up is Emma Thwaites, the ODI's Director of Communication and Marketing. Hello, Emma. Hello, Gavin. Now, people tuning into this podcast are probably wondering what on earth is going on. So since it was your fault, sorry, your idea, I wondered if you could tell us indeed what is going on. Kevin, I don't know about you, but when I tell friends and family that I work with data, and more specifically that I work with the Open Data Institute, they quite often have absolutely no clue what it means. Like many groups of specialists, we have developed our own language or glossary which non-specialists can sometimes find confusing. And of course, sometimes data people don't agree what the glossary should even be. Our motto at the ODI is to make data work for everyone, but I think sometimes our language can exclude people. Excellent. If only we had some sort of conceit like a 12 data days of Christmas to tie together lots of people talking about some of those interesting, difficult and contested terms. On the first day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me Sir Nigel Shadbolt and Sir Tim Berners-Lee. Now, Christmas is about perhaps the ultimate origin story, but it's also a good time to revisit where the ODI came from, because next year is a big anniversary, the big one o ten years of the ODI. Emma, you've been around for all of that time, so I'd love you to tell us the story of the ODI and where it came from. But because we're embracing this Christmas theme and because we're short on time, we're going to embrace some party games or something roughly approximating them. So I'm going to give you only a minute, no hesitation, repetition or deviation, to tell us about Sir Nigel Shadbolt, Sir Tim Berners-Lee and about how the ODI came into being. The ODI started in 2012. In actual fact, as an organisation, it was registered at Companies House in May 2012. But we really got going in September of that year and I was one of the first people through the door. So there I was in September 2012, excitingly working with Sir Tim Berners-Lee and the equally exciting Sir Nigel Shadbolt, starting this fantastic organisation, the Open Data Institute. I can hardly believe that here we are nearly 10 years later celebrating the 12 data days of Christmas with the Open Data Institute. It truly is an honour and a pleasure, especially Gavin, to be working with you because you are the embodiment of all that is good about data in this festive season. That's very kind, Emma, and the cheque is most definitely in the post. Well, that's the story of the ODI's Christmases past. Hopefully there are many future ones to look forward to as well.
On the second day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me Data, Ecosystems and Sir Nigel Shadbolt and Sir Tim Berners-Lee. The word ecosystem probably puts you in mind of David Attenborough and the natural world. But what is a data ecosystem? It just so happens, and who would have thought it, that I have the perfect people to help me define what a data ecosystem is. My name is Jared Keller. I'm a senior researcher at the ODI. Uh, I specialize in foresight and um, data, e data institutions. I'm Annalisa and uh, I work as partnership manager of EDI, so I work at the intersection of a business development and the delivery team. What I'm going to ask you both to do is to explain what a data ecosystem is. Um, for about uh, a minute or so, you can start. I, I hope I'm not throwing you off here, Annalisa, but the way that I usually explain data ecosystems is by talking about data ecosystem mapping, which is one of the services we have at the ODI. And so I talk about how a data ecosystem map illustrates the different actors in a data ecosystem. So those who are collecting, sharing, and using data, people using services built on that data, people about whom data is being collected or published, and possibly even regulators and funders. Um, I would take a step back, actually, uh, because <laughs> I, usually, I usually get asked these questions um, in the initial calls that I have with potential clients. And what I usually say is that a data ecosystem consists of uh, data infrastructure and the people, communities and organization that benefit from the, from the value um, created by it. So it's really the focus is really on, on the people and communities. On the third day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me the data ethics canvas. Next, it's the data ethics canvas. Nothing to do with painting or camping or getting people to vote for you, or is it? Luckily, I have Dr. Dave Tarrant with me to explain all. Dave, what do you do? So I'm the program leader of the, the data literacy program here at the ODI. Um, so that involves generally building our literacy offerings, training courses, and managing some of the, the products that go alongside that, that help people to think critically about um, their collection use and sharing of data. Excellent. It's such a shame we're doing this as a podcast because uh, I can tell everybody that you're wearing a fantastic set of reindeer antlers uh, to get into the Christmas spirit. It's fake news, fake news. <laughs> We'd like you to tell us what the data ethics canvas is, but without using the word data. So Dave, whenever you're ready, one minute on the data ethics canvas without using the word data. The point about the canvas is to really for organisations to consider their approaches when it comes to um, ethics around the that, that stuff that they might be collecting, uh, using or sharing, depending on what that, that stuff is. And it could be about painting or gambling or anything else you like for that matter um, when it comes to talking about uh, about that. And it asks you to consider four main things, things around your rights responsibilities, the limitations. We often talk about biases and, uh, um, and, and how algorithms are only uh, learned to be biased based upon what's input into them, uh, which is often affected by, by the human, right? Um, we then ask people to have a look at the, the impact, the impact of, uh, of using that stuff in, in, in their decision-making process and what the positive impacts and negative impacts will be on people. We talk about trust a lot um, at the ODI um, and we're challenging people to think more openly about how they're engaging with people. Did I manage it? Excellent. I think that was a little over a minute, but plenty packed in. And I, I, I liked your approach of just referring to data as stuff. 
we often get that in training. I ask people what data is and they say stuff and I'm like, that's fine with me. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Dave. Dave and his team are available to help your organisation use the Data Ethics Canvas, which you can find on our website. On the fourth day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me data institutions. Fittingly, three of the wisest ODIers join me now, bringing gifts not of gold, frankincense and myrrh, but intelligence, wit and a surprisingly relaxed attitude towards their reputations. Yes, I'm joined by Millie, Jack and Stuart. Uh, So I'm going to ask them all to introduce themselves quickly. Uh, Let's start with you, Millie. Hello, my name is Millie. I'm head of policy at the ODI. I'm Jack Cardings. I lead um, our programme of work on data institutions. Hello, I'm Stuart. I'm Director of Business Development and Learning. Excellent. So, um, this fourth day of Christmas, our true love gave to us some data institutions. Now, Jack, as Programme Lead of Data Institutions, I would like you to explain the concept of data institutions using metaphors. Stuart and Millie will give you marks out of ten, like it's the Strictly Come Dancing Christmas special, but without the sequence. Your time starts now. Okay, so canonical definition, uh, data institutions are organisations that steward data on behalf of others, often for public, charitable or, or educational aims. That's the boring part. That's the bit that's in the reports. Uh, the way that we tend to describe it, though, in, in conversation is that data doesn't make its way to all the beneficial uses of it by, by, mis- by accident or, or, or by fluke. And so instead, we talk about the need for a richer institutional environment around data to make sure that it's collected, used and shared responsibly. And so they're around us already, and the, without getting too mer- metaphorical then, um, the, the National Trust is perhaps a data institution, but not for data. So that land that the National Trust has stewarded for the past 100, 100 or 200 years um, is looked after by um, a very respectable organisation and board of trustees who have a commitment to make sure that it's used, so it's not just hoarded and, and used only for our um, richest, let's say, in society. It's not used only for, for football pitches. It's not used only for farming, but instead it's protected and preserved and made accessible to those who want access to it for a nice walk, um, perhaps, um, but not overused to the point that it erodes it for future generations. So the National Trust, but for data, is one way to think about data institutions. So, Millie, marks out of 10 for Jack's National Trust metaphor. I thought that was excellent. Um, So I was wondering when the metaphors would come in, and there was only one, but it was very well chosen and very vivid. Um, So do I have to quantify this? Can't I just give qualitative feedback? He's going to get to do the same to you in a bit. Very good, Jack. Well done. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a score of zero or a score Uh, of 10. Thanks, Millie. I think that was a 10. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I'm not commenting. I just said, very good, well done. That's what I said. <laughs> Stu, how many marks would you give Jack? Oh, gosh, I'd like to be kind of a bit of a taskmaster. I'd say it's a seven and a half. I think, I think it's pretty good. It assumes a level of knowledge around the National Trust that some people may not have. At this point in the year, I will take serviceable sevens um, or, or, or null answers, Gavin. On the fifth day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me five data trusts. It wouldn't be Christmas without a bit of a family argument. So, Jack, why are data trusts proving so controversial at the moment? Thanks, Gavin. Good question. Uh, uh, I'm not entirely sure, but these are these are some reckons. Um, so what we've tended to, to find with data trusts, which to us are uh, just one approach to, to stewarding data inspired by the way that trusts have been used to steward land, money and other assets in the past. Um, they seem to evoke strong opinions on 
both positive, positively and negative. So there's some that see perhaps data trust as the savior. Um, they they will resolve data stewardship for us. They are the the, the guiding mode of, of of data collection, use, and sharing. And then perhaps others who see them as a, a definitional tailspin, making no progress or a solution, looking for a problem, I tend to oscillate between the two and net off somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, conscious that other people feel very strongly about these. Um, Millie or Stu, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. I, I would say I found that very moving. Um, and I, I thought the language was really, really poetic. So full marks for me, from me, um, for, for the poetry in your soul, Jack. And I, I would just point out also that qualitative feedback is, is feedback and is an answer. On the sixth day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me six data governance playbooks. A book is always a great present, something to read, a world to escape to as the Christmas chaos swirls around you. But what exactly would you do with a data governance playbook if you found it in your stocking? Luckily, I'm joined by Deborah Yates, who can tell us more. Thanks, Gavin. Um, so I'm Deborah Yates. I lead our programme of work on data assurance activities, which means that I help organisations to assess, build, demonstrate trustworthiness around data. Excellent. To a lot of people, data governance might sound like quite a dry topic. If you were writing a Christmas movie which had data governance at its heart, what might that movie look like? So you've got around a minute to tell us about your data governance based Christmas movie starting now. Thanks, Gavin. Um, okay, so the main star of my Christmas movie, I think, is um, is actually the people. Um, so data governance is really all about um, having people with the right skills and knowledge in place, having the levels of accountability for data set up within projects or within organisations. Um, so they're really the star of the show. Um, and what the, that those people would do in my Christmas movie. They'd go out with their little bobble hats on, um, getting everyone in the festive data governance spirit so that they can understand you know, what data assets they might hold, who might need access to them, what policies and processes they need in place in order to manage them well and in order to share that. Um, share them and um, make sure there's ethical kind of considerations around that data. Um, and then I think maybe like the snowman at the end might be the technology because you, you need the technology to support um, in the, you know, the management of data in an organization. And it is an important part of data governance, but it's actually not the driver. It could easily melt if you just focus on the technology. Excellent. What a terrific <laughs> metaphor to end, end your movie off. For, for some reason, I was also thinking of the elves around Father Christmas as he was preparing his list. Oh, I forgot about the elves. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of elves supporting those main people. You know, you might have those senior people that are the, seen as the stars, but it's all the elves working away in the background that actually, uh, you know, make all the candy cane that tempts everyone in. Well, I feel like uh, we've learnt a lot more about data governance and uh, we look forward to your uh, film appearing in the cinemas at some point at uh, December 2022. So thanks very much, Deb. I'm sure it gets sell out. <laughs> On the seventh day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me some words from RMD. So to tell us a little bit more about the Open Data Institute, I'm delighted to say we're joined by Louise Burke, Managing Director of the ODI. Louise, welcome. Um, tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to be at the ODI. 
Hi, Gavin, and great to be here. Uh, well, I actually joined the ODI on the 22nd of November in 2012. So my job when I came through the door on the 22nd of November in 2012 was to sort it out, stand it up, uh, put all the systems in place, do the financials, do the legals, um, and sort of work out what the proposition was and how we were going to deliver on the strategy. So after a couple of years of kind of halfway in the ODI and halfway uh, working with other clients, I eventually was totally um, hooked and I moved straight across into a full-time role at the ODI. And that role was an amazing journey. Um, and basically in 2019, um, that culminated in me being appointed as the managing director at the ODI. And a big focus for me, uh, especially going into 2022, is to build on all the successes of 2021 and to work towards a sustainable institute in the long term that will go beyond my tenure um, as I head for retirement in the next 10 years. On the eighth day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me data infrastructure. Our next phrase is data infrastructure two words that have often gone together in the history of the ODI. But what do they mean? Well, I've got the ODI's Ursula uh, here to tell us. Hi Gavin, I'm Ursula. I'm the Head of Product and Innovation. And what that means is that I help different people across the organisation to think what kind of products we want to take to market to help people create a better world through data. And what, what do we mean then by data infrastructure? A good way of thinking about it is like roads or water streams or electricity line is the infrastructure that allows you to either go from one place to another, from one piece of information to another. And data should be treated exactly like that because by connecting the different pieces of information and data, that's when you can actually create intelligence, drive knowledge, take better decisions. What sort of data infrastructure might be important in a Christmas context? For Santa, delivering presents. Although I think actually Santa has figured it all out, has the most open data infrastructure that takes him anywhere. Perhaps we need to be a little bit more like Santa and create his way of getting anywhere without any challenges. We should keep that in mind for next year. Excellent. So as, oh, as well as all the presents that he's delivering, Santa is delivering us a, a sort of model of, of how to build good data infrastructure. That's fantastic. Also, thank you very much indeed. On the ninth day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me experimentalism. We're back to our three wise ODIers, Millie, Jack and Stuart. Hello again. And this time it's going to be Millie telling us what data experimentalism means. Now, Millie, we thought we'd ask you to describe data experimentalism to Jack and Stuart through the medium of charades. But then we realised that would be a really bad idea for a podcast. So we're going to give you just a minute to explain what experimentalism is, in which you should avoid hesitation, deviation or repetition. And Jack and Stuart will give you marks out of 10 at the end. So whenever you're ready, Millie, tell us what data experimentalism means. Thank you, Gavin. I'm always ready. Um, so how to talk about experimentalism without deviation, hesitation, when the whole point of experimentalism is deviation? It's an interesting conundrum you've sent me. Um, I would say this is not just the ninth day of Christmas, it's the best day of Christmas because experimentalism is the reason I get up in the mornings. Um, when we started the project, we also thought about calling it um, data policy jazz, 
and also come jazz with me. And if that doesn't tell you what it is, I can't help you, frankly. Sorry. Um, and I have nothing more to add on this. Thank you very much, Millie. Um, let's go to you first, Stu. Marks out of 10. I think that was pretty good. It was pretty enthusiastic um, and kind of left on a bit of a cliffhanger there. So, yeah, I'll give Millie, a, give Millie an eight on that. Very good. An eight from Stu. What about you, Jack? I think it was great. Uh, and in the spirit of uh, words are feedback too, that I'm going to leave it there. On the 10th day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me 10 data stewards. So we've just heard from data Stewart, but what about data stewards? Um, I'm joined again by Annalisa and Jared for their double act, and they're going to tell us um, what data stewards are, what data stewardship means, uh, and they're going to do it one sentence at a time uh, and take it in turns uh, for about a minute or so. So, Annalisa, you're first uh, with your sentence. Once you've done that, we'll go to Jared and then back to you. So whenever you're ready. Perfect. Um, so I will let Jared describe what data stewardship is, um, but I can tell you what data stewards are. So data stewards decide who has access to data, under what conditions, and who, ben- who can benefit from it. And the organization that collect and hold data usually play this role. And those data stewards usually sit in what we call the data value cycle. So we talk about stewardship, then creation, then deciding. So steward, create, decide. I usually like to define data stewardship also as the act of looking after data uh, that, again, can be done by people, communities, and organizations that collect, maintain, and share data. So one thing we also talk about at the ODI a lot is not just data stewardship, but responsible data stewardship, because there is value in data. Um, but there also are potential harms. And so we don't want uh, people who collect, organizations who collect, maintain, or share data to just be data stewards. We want them to be responsible data stewards and to practice responsible data stewardship. On the 11th day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me apprentices in training. When you think about Christmas and apprenticeships, you might be thinking of all the elves helping Father Christmas at the North Pole. But here at the ODI, we have our very own apprentices, our own data elves. And I'm delighted to say a couple of them, Sam and Marissa, have joined me now. Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am the PR and communications apprentice at the ODI. Um, I'm love writing i love uh being able to put stuff out into the world and show off work marissa tell us a little bit about you um i'm an apprentice as a office administrator and i started in september i like reading traveling and sometimes i do do athletics excellent well it's really nice to to meet both of you um what have you learnt uh, during your time at the ODI? Uh, maybe if we go to Sam first. We've got so much stuff going on at the ODI that sometimes my head's spinning going, which bit of the data are we looking at there? So I think the best thing I learnt about data was uh, the open data in a day course I did with Dave Tarrant, which was very fun because he gave some examples of where open data has um, really helped. I think one of the best ones on there was being able to use use the data that of looking into rocks and underground to find archaeological finds which was very interesting excellent normally when we talk about digging into the data that's not quite what we mean <laughs> um and how about you marissa what have you learned what have you most enjoyed about your time at the odi so far well when i started it was quite close to summit so i really enjoyed like how that all worked because in my previous workplaces i've never been in like an environment where it's like everyone's rushing but when it comes all together it's actually like a nice event that you have on the day 
And even though I didn't understand like much about it at first, it's just nice and interesting to see how like each different department ends up coming together. That's the thing, isn't it? With so much going on at the ODI, there's so much to communicate as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sam and Marissa, lovely to meet you. On the 12th day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me improved data literacy. Now, we heard data literacy mentioned earlier, but what do we actually mean? Once again, I'm joined by Millie, Jack and Stuart. And Stuart is going to be explaining what data literacy is to us through the medium of Christmas-related metaphors. And Millie and Jack will be awarding marks out of ten. Um, Stuart, some colleagues have warned me that you might be a bit of a Grinch or a Scrooge when it comes to Christmas. Is that right? I do find it quite um, grumpifying when I walk around and see lights going up before December the 1st. Um, and certainly... That was very much the case this year. And also you've helped me there with with the task you set me. I mean, Jack used the word canonical. I must first of all say what I think data literacy is before moving to some examples of metaphors or even similes which would describe what it could be. So quite frankly, we at the ODI think data literacy is all about helping organisations and people think more critically with data, much as it's become the norm that, that... in certainly in the UK schooling system, but in many societies, studying English language and English literature and the way you work with English as a language is, is, is considered important to think critically. We should think, People should think critically with data, but we are in the Christmas season. And I think in the season of data, we're kind of still a bit in the gunslinging Wild West. You know, we've seen many companies and organisations over the last year abuse data. And we still have yet to see proper data regulation, so these gunslingers exist. Um, but wouldn't it be great if we had more Ebenezer Scrooges with their abacuses carefully moving the pieces from left to right to work out where the data should sit, how it should be used, um, what harmful impacts might come from making use of those data or, 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 or sharing those data with different people? I would much rather we lived in that kind of world where people were mindful and scroogeful about their data than the kind of Wild West gunslinging society that we still live in. So hopefully that provides a, a bit of a bit of a, a concept that would help. Very much, Stu. Um, Jack, marks out of 10. Well, a, a 10 for the structure in that it mirrored mine quite, quite, quite tightly. Millie, marks out of 10. Um, thank you. Um, I really want to see the Christmas movie that has a kind of gunsling in Wild West, and I'm wondering what it's called. I mean, it's like Santa Claus and the Zombies, except Santa Claus and the Cowboys, perhaps, but I'm, I'm up for that. Um, in terms of a score, um, my score or my feedback is that was an advent calendar. Thank you very much. I like how you're embracing the Christmas theme there, Millie. Um, now, at this point, I should be going to the final scores for our, our sort of little three-way Christmas party competition. Um, but much like real life, best laid plans and trying to um, impose an order on something has completely fallen apart. So I think we can just consider that you're all winners um, for having taken part and everyone who's listening is a winner too. So thank you very much for joining us. On the twelfth day of Christmas, the ODI gave to me improved data literacy apprentices in training, ten data stewards, experimentalism, data infrastructure, some words from RMD, six data governance playbooks, five data trusts, data institutions, data ethics canvas, data ecosystems, and Sir Nigel Shadbolt and Sir Tim Berners-Lee.